Greetings, greetings, greetings and salutations one and all. Welcome to all my neighbors out there. It's community and finance night. Right here on the night shift with DJ Kevin Steele. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to say big ups to each and everyone locked in right now. Those on tune in radio on the night shift with DJ Kevin Steele. Big ups to you. Those hailing from near and far. Those across the pond. One harmony radio. Top of the morning to you guys over there in the UK. King Genius, Queen Genius, much love. I want to say big ups to those in New Jersey. Locked in on NIE radio. The motivator. Those that are locked on mix102.com And their sister station in Jamaica Earth 96 FM Much love to you guys Symbol, big up your status Wanna say much love to those that are locked out of New York Those exhibiting the power of music on island worldwide. China Nicole, Gary, and the Jump Out Production crew, much love to you. Much love to the massive. Locked in on the Foundation Radio Network, ClintonLindsay.com. Mr. Lindsay, the veteran in the business. Big ups to you, sir. thinking what I'm getting Mr. Lindsay for his Earth date. His Earth date is coming up, you know. I got a memo that only good people born in November. I don't know what happened to the other 11 months. But if nobody else got that memo, well... Maybe you're not one of the good people. I don't know. I'm going to say big ups to those who are locked in on Zeno FM. Those that are locked in on Clubhouse. But it's bubbling in the stew pot. Those on YouTube Live. And of course, those right here at the home of the Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew, KevinStew.com, where you're encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment. So glad to have you. Couldn't do it without you. You have my word, I wouldn't even try. Much love, Loxley. Want to say thank you to my segment sponsors. Paul C Media Group. When being the moment is priceless, let's go ahead and give him a call. They'll take care of your videos, your photos, your streaming, your ads. You're looking for somewhere to host your website? Call them up. 754-999-1140. They host the night shift with DJ Kevin Stew. KevinStew.com. 
so they can host yours too. Thank you, Pulsey Media Group. want to say thank you to Althea and her healing heavenly hands. Althea Issue is a licensed massage therapist operating out of Broad County, North Miami-Dade and South Palm Beach counties. She comes to you, bringing her table, her oils and over 20 years massage therapy experience. Go ahead, schedule your appointment today. 954-655-9000. That's 954-655-9000. She only has one request outside of paying her, that is. It's to get off her table and go sleep somewhere else when she's done. It's called the Kevin Stew Claus. When you get your massage, you'll know why. Best sleep you've ever had. I want to say thank you to the global base. The global base navigates your journey across music, marketing, and much, much more. It's a realm where social spheres awaken through their mastery. Go ahead, embrace the invitation to liberate your creativity unbounded and free. The Global Base is your catalyst for everything related to music, marketing, event planning, and social media. Link them today. TheGlobalBase.com That's D-A-Global-B-A-S-E.com Tell them Kevin Stew sent you. And you can tell your neighbors about your moving company. Who? McNeil Trucking. They're a licensed and insured in the state of Florida and they're veteran owned too. So if you want to move from the Keys up to Jacksonville, from Naples to Palm Beach, from Pompano to Pensacola, and all points in between. You want to put some things in storage, you don't have the manpower, you don't have the transportation, don't worry, you have the name, you have the number. McNeil Trucking. Your goods in good hands. Call them up today, 954-406-9740. Tell them you heard about them on a night shift with DJ Kevin Stew. Music from Shelly Sweet Shells kicking us off. A track called My Neighbor. Before we get deep down with uh, Miss Nicole Hall, just want to remind you to get your copy of the audiobook. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and get your copy now. It's titled Empowered. Essential Concepts and Strategies Every Woman Should Know About Self-Defense It's authored by Jonathan Field, narrated by yours truly, Kevin Steele It's available on Audible right now Quick way to find it, go to kevinstew.com You'll see a copy of the book cover, just click on it It takes you right where you need to be And don't be intimidated by the title either I might say essential concepts and strategies every woman should know about self-defense, but it's good for men too. I learned so much as I narrated it. 
So get one for yourself, get one for your friends. And get a third one for anybody that wants it. Mind to jump on to the 78390 challenge. Those of you that have been with me since the beginning of the year, just one more month to go to that ta- to that task to that goal, I should say. $780 at the end of December. Look at that. If you're saving in $10 increments, you'd have been there. If you're just getting started, don't worry. You can jump on, and by this time next year, you'll be right there. $10 increments each month. This is the 11th month, it's $110. You start out with $10 in January, see how that works? Those that can't manage a 10, you do 5. And you'll end up with 390. It's a good way to save a little change, eh? I do encourage you all to check out the One Jamaica Legal Defense Foundation. OLJDF.org Did I say that right? OJLDF.org Yeah, that's it. And go ahead and make your donations to make a difference in Jamaica today. Their goal? Keep keep the politicians accountable to Jamaicans. You can learn more about them and hear what they're doing on Saturdays. With Reason with Ratigan at 3 p.m. on Reggae Global Radio. But do go check out the website. Okay, I think that takes care of our formalities. Those of you that, that are listening in, the phone line will be open and available for you to call in and participate. So, how do you do so? Those that are listening, 773-789-STEW. The number is scrolling across the bottom of your screen right now for those of you that are watching. 773-789-7839. You can call, you can text, you can WhatsApp, you can telegram from anywhere in the world. Really easy number to remember. 773-789-STEW. And we're inviting you to call a friend, tell a friend, friends of your friends, friends of your enemies, enemies of your friends, and your enemies too. Why? Because the information is good for everybody. Nikki over there laughing. (laughs) Nikki, I don't know why you're laughing, you know. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you to Shelly Sweet Shells for this track. It's called My Neighbor. Without further ado, I present to you as I facilitate this broadcast because it's really her broadcast. She just didn't know. So it's all about... Yeah. (laughs) It's all about CMBS Solutions Group tonight. Nikki Hall or Nicole Hall. Let's be formal. Nicole Hall. (laughs) as the presenter and teacher because she's teaching us about what this organization is all about and how it came about and i have some questions because when you look at 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 the about us 
you can't help but to ha- have some questions and that encourages you to call and it's a good thing to have questions so without further ado i present guest for the night is nicole hall thank you nicole welcome to the night shift yes, thank you it's my pleasure to be absolutely um I'm Nicole Hall, for anybody who doesn't know me. Um, I think I have on a different hat tonight. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fire hat. See, <laughs> this is actually the hat I wear, you know, seven days a week in my off time from being Nick Fire. So, mm. um, CMBS um, Solution is a company that I founded out of pure passion. Pure I didn't even pay the bills, to be honest. I really just, because I had this, I saw this need for um, people in the world who were slowly dying, suffering, and um, there was not enough advocacy for them. So I literally, I'm a, let me give you a little bit of background about myself so you can understand where I'm coming from and why I landed here. I think that's kind of important. Yeah. That was going well, to I'm be gonna... my, my next question. I was actually going to be my first question. And, and people, this is why I say this is really her broadcast. Because without getting to know her and what drives her, you won't get to understand what this organization is all about. Because she founded this organization, so yeah. let's 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 lay the, the 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 foundation here, Nikki, and and learn who you are, the person who is not on stage being Nikki File, but the person who is in the office being Nicole Hall. Correct. So Nicole Hall is has been a lifelong student. Um, in so many areas, um, you know, like when you grow up and you say, oh, I want to be this or I want to be that. Mm-hmm. I never had moments. I never had a, I want to be this or I want. But I knew I liked education, right? So after high school, I went to college on a, on a scholarship for voice. I was classically trained. I thought, oh, I'm going to end up being on a stage somewhere singing opera. Mm-hmm. Life the- work out like that sometimes right so i went to school and i changed my major being honest about seven times i was in nursing accounting you name it you name it and at the end of the road i ended up with a bachelor's in about four areas communications sociology social science and english and with the with that degree i said to myself you know what what really appeals to me now was to go and do my Juris Doctorate in, in law. Mm. And Elsa had passed it, ready to go to law school, and um, actually was going to go and do a Master's and Juris Doctorate in a joint program at FIU. Got accepted everything, spoke to a family member who discouraged me from law. So I let it go. So what did I do next? I went to IT next. Mm. Okay. I'm bored with the majors I have in my bachelor's. I'm going to do IT. Went to school, started doing a master's in computer science. It quickly switched. I ended up in political science slash 
adult learning. Needless to say, I just couldn't focus on what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, upon graduating with my master's, I started a PhD program in um, social psychology. Mm. I did about 20 credits and said, I'm sick of school and dropped out. <laughs> oh, I'm a retiree of the um, Bell South um, companies, right? Mm -hmm. So when I retired, the plan was to go back to Jamaica to live and do something that people do when you retire, right? That quickly changed. Came back to the States and then said, okay, I need a job then. Started looking for a job. Somebody called me one day and said, you know, there's this company that's hired Sunrise that does um, want utilization management people. I want to make sure I'm not over everybody's head because a lot of people don't understand that utilization management mm -hmm. is just simply you advocating for a client, a, a, a medical provider's client, to ensure that they don't overutilize or underutilize the benefits given to them from a health plan, from their health provider. So in other words, you're not going to have a broken or you're not going to have a scratch on your finger and we're trying to get you surgery. Maybe you need stitches, but you don't need surgery. So utilization managers ensure that the treatment given to a client is not over or underutilized. Okay. In this breath, we wouldn't just throw some sablon on the finger and say, all right, go home. That's mm. under utilization. Okay, got you. Utilization manager that was paying me pennies. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I got kind of frustrated and walked out and said, no, nah, this is not for me. And I left. Long story short, the owner called me back about three months later and says, come back. I'm giving you a big raise. Sky's the limit. What do you want? You're very good at this. Okay, I went back. Um, right before COVID happened, I had actually stayed with that company all the way through. And right before COVID happened, um, I have a friend in New York and I every day driving to work and I said to him, man, this is for the birds. This is for the birds. My father didn't work for anyone and he was always happy in his life. Why can't that happen to me? Mm. He kept encouraging me. Nikki, you got to do this. You got to do this. Find a niche. And I did. So I said to my current employer at the time, how about if I just go home, become a contractor, save you the overhead, and you just contract with me to do the utilization management. And that started the company pretty much. Now, the passion behind why I stayed it's because we have this stigma in Jamaica of when we see mentally ill people, they're mad, they're crazy, you need to stay away from them, they're this, that, 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 that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I had gone into this position with that mentality as well, where they, those people were taboo. You don't want to be near them. Right. To realize 
that we all have a mental illness or two or three or four. Indeed. And so what we were looking at as taboo and, and, and downcasting others was really just a reflection in the mirror. Mm. If you can, I'm going with it. Yeah. Um, and so people who had experienced mental health issues or traumatic events in their lives that led to mental health issues, they all of a sudden became, the care for them became as passionate as music is. Mm. And I never thought it was possible. So when I started this company, I started it on my own as a single entrepreneur working 12, 13 hours a day, doing a lot of, um, oh. and how the structure is, is basically like this. We have, we, I primarily right now deal with a lot of substance abuse facilities. So those substance abuse facilities will then put the care of their patient in my hands. When I say care, financial care. Hmm. And they also put the responsibility of their facilities, financial viability in my hands. So in your question, you said, how does the advocacy of mental health equate to revenue cycle management. And I want to just explain what revenue cycle management is mm. briefly. Yeah, because we, we need to really know how they connect or how I'm you connect them. I'm definitely going to give you the um, equation now. So let's just look at revenue cycle management for a second. Mm -hmm. In any business... The point where expense starts to incur mm -hmm. to the end of that process is the revenue cycle management. And in this case, we handle from the minute that client actually calls a facility and says, hey, I'm looking to be admitted because I have an opioid abuse disorder. Okay. Mm -hmm. On the very end, when we have negotiated with that health plan to ensure that that facility has been equitably compensated for the treatment of that client. Hmm. So when a client calls in, I want to come into your facility for treatment, the ball starts rolling. We start doing verification of benefits. Then we start doing our utilization review and clinical reviews with the health plan. Then it rolls down to the billing. So they send in the claims. Then it comes back and we make sure that it's paid. If it isn't, it goes to collection. If it is, if the claim is paid, it goes to posting. If it's not paid, it goes to collections. If collections can't collect the bill, it comes right back into our my hands. And then we say, okay, we need to file a clinical appeal based on mandates and regulation in order to get this client's treatment covered and to reduce leakage for that facility. 
So skill cycle management covers the whole scope of when you say, yes, I want you to come into my facility and we're going to treat you. And all the revenue, let me put this, all the positive and negative revenue that occurs all the way through to discharge. Wow. But, and so it's a big scope. Yeah. You're, 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 uh, you're one organization that is from that little bit of a description with revenue cycle management. You're fully vested with the patient and yeah. with the caregiver. Correct. I've, I've never heard of anything like that. Well, well, what we do is, you know, um, Kev, we're, we're very much different from many other, a lot of people would think of us as a billing company in that scope, but we're really mm -hmm. not because at any given time, I can say to one of my, um, one of the people who, one of my utilization managers, I can say, come, we're going to North Carolina, we're going to Arizona. And what we do is we head out there and we spend two days and just train. So we're not licensed. But what we are is we speak the language of the insurance companies. And so what we do is we, we have them use their expertise. We use our expertise in the insurance language and contracts. And we somehow have them meet in the middle so that their clinicals can be written in agreement with what the insurance companies will pay hmm. without it being gray area. In other words, it has to be, of course, factual. But it, it's the same thing as if I said to a clinician today, um, we have an alcohol um, use disorder client right now that has really severe issues. He has um, high liver enzymes, and that's usually, that's nothing. They, they will cover that. Mm. But for the reason, because this gentleman isn't complaining of other symptoms, diarrhea, vomiting, any of the other physical debilitating symptoms, yes, they denied him treatment. Even though this man was given two years to live, mm. somewhere in that room. So you then have to take it on. And, and I do pretty much that role. I will actually write something clinically and make sure that I send it to an independent review board so that the health plan can be held accountable for not providing treatment to a covered member under one of their policies that needs this treatment in order to stay alive. So it, it's, it's very in-depth and you spend a lot of hours doing it but when you think about statistics just on opiate let's just look at that for one second mm -hmm. and you'll see why i do what i do you have 3.8 percent of the american adult population that uses some sort of opioid right okay that equates to over 10 million people. Now, you might be saying, yeah, it's a big country. But remember, we're only talking about opioids. 
we're only talking about okay i want to give you the right number now since 1999, 760,000 people have died from opioid use or overdose. Mm. 760,000. And we're talking about prescribed and non-prescribed. I was about to ask if that includes prescription drugs. Yes. Because honestly, especially the opioid user, they normally don't start as somebody just doesn't get up and say, oh, I'm going to go to heroin. Mm. It, it, it happens, but very infrequently. What usually happens is somebody goes to the doctor for pain, breaks a bone, has some sort of ailment, and the doctor prescribes them an opioid medicine. Right. And then Think they, get, about, they get hooked on that. Yeah, think about this though. 78 people die every single day from opioids. 78. That that sounds, you know, you, you think of, yeah, it's a big country and it's, it's a big population. But that's just one drug. One, one drug is causing 78 people to die a, a year. 60% of all overdose, right, involves... Of all the drugs, it involves opioids. Guess what? 50% of those overdoses, 50% of them are prescription-based. Hmm. You know, on my health broadcast, I, I tend to lean in heavily on pharmaceutical company on uh, pharmaceutical companies big pharma if you wish mm -hmm. and i would often say that it's one of the biggest businesses in the united states yes one of the, the and it has become that way because they have found a way to maintain a profit margin by continuously having clientele which means sickness Pays. Now, uh, when you give out information like this to say that so many people are ending up, you have 78 a day dying from opioids and 50% of our drugs contain opioids. And mm -hmm. we're talking about prescribed drugs. Right. I guess... What 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 what's what's the kind of percentage on 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 over the counter drugs? Do you know? Do you do you have you know, that info? You know what? I don't have that, but it is controlled even if it's over the counter now. So the percentage is not very high. Okay. But say you're even going to a, a store right now and to buy certain cold medicines. Yes. Definitely have to get it from the pharmacist, even though it's over the counter. Yes. You literally from the pharmacist and you have to show certain credentials you have to be over a certain age to buy it and all of that so it's become like alcohol all right yeah so and and and, and this is where i i lean towards or i lean in on pharmaceuticals because we somehow don't really pay attention to this aspect of what we're putting in our bodies and what it is doing. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned, and, and the way you, you word it, you don't talk about someone being a drug addict. You don't talk no. about someone being an alcoholic. You mention a disorder. Yes. And so even with that, you, you, you immediately approach it differently. Absolutely. And it changes a mindset. Absolutely. I, I, I was talking with someone today about um, being treated for, for an addiction. And mm-hmm. they mentioned the mental health treatment a- aspect of it. And as, as I, I was saying, what, you know, how exactly do you expect to treat an addiction without addressing the mental health component? And <laughs> I, I guess you provide that service and, and bridge all those gaps with, with this organization. CMBS does just that and we're not talking about just just from negotiating with with an insurance company Mm -mm. it's based on your own education because if you think about something too yes um, a provider's client and I call it them that because I consider the facility my client right Mm mm-hmm but at my client's client, which is the facility's client, they already have things in place to help them. It's just a matter of getting them to it, right? Mm-hmm. Think of middleman in all of this, which is the facility. A lot of them want to do the right things. I'll give you another statistic that will shock you. About 85% of all substance abuse facilities that you see out there mm-hmm. are owned by people who have gone through addiction treatment. So they are addicts. Okay. Right? So great thing on one side and then a kind of bad thing on the other. But let me get back to my point a second. So when you find that a client will have or a patient then will have coverage, healthcare coverage, they'll have many facilities they can go to anywhere in the country, right? The government has programs for them. Maybe some of them are not as effective as others, but it's a program nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But then think about that facility that takes in all these clients. And because they may not know how to write clinically, but define it based on the health plan guidelines. You know how many of them have to shut down after a period and have the right intention, but because they're not able to afford the clinical staff that's mandated by the government or the the, the, um, clinical documentation or the electronic medical records that's mandated, they lose. Their doors get shut. Mm. So here we come and we say, hey, we understand. We're going to do two things for you. We're going to start you off on a very tiered rate. And what that means is we're going to come in. We're going to train your doctor. 
your nurse, your psychotherapist, your psychologist. We're going to train them on what the health, what the health plans want to see. So that when you sit in front of a client, you can say, hey, he has these symptoms, but I need to report these other ones to show the urgency of why he needs treatment. Because if you put a, if you put a clinician in front of you and they do a, a, what we call a biopsychosocial test, which is the assessment to determine that diagnosis, they're gonna give you everything clinical because that's what they've been trained. Mm -hmm. But they really have not been trained in how to convey that information now to standards of the health plan so they could give the best clinicals and show the immediate need for treatment if it doesn't meet the health plan requirement they're not going to get reimbursed they're not going to get paid so you found that a lot of them are going out of business what we transformed into was a company that not only deals with the day-to-day -day direct line of business we have now evolved into where we'll do their contracting for them we do credentialing of all their licensed professionals we do something called jaco and car for accreditation which is something hospitals doctors offices should have it's an additional accreditation so you stand out in the industry and one of the big things that we're doing now is we are going in preliminary and setting up these facilities for owners so that they can have a precedence before they even start operating. So we, we've taken on a big, a big task. Sometimes I wonder how I do it, but it's a passion. Well, you see the puzzle look on my face right now because you, 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 you went from talking about how you mentioned earlier going to, to, to different states. Yeah. First of all, you're based in South Florida. I am. So you're talking about leaving South Florida and pick a state, spin a wheel, flip a coin, throw a dart at a map, whatever. Mm -hmm. going to another state and training yes. individuals in a, in, a, in a healthcare facility. Yes. Yes. And so you're training them on, on insurance standards and, and requirements as it relates to someone coming in seeking help. But you're based in South Florida. Yes. So you're not yes. just attending to South Florida institutions. No, we're, we're all the states in the United States. And I'll tell you something that's even more admirable of my company. And, and, and it's something I like to put out there because I'm just that individual. A vast amount of my utilization managers yes. are the amazing Jamaican people I could find who work in Jamaica, from Jamaica. All right. And yeah, <laughs> well, we're, we're diverse. You don't have to be static to provide really great health care. 
what the only thing you have to be is equipped with knowledge and be able to make the changes of the regulation and the mandates that them come out with every day that's all you have to be able to do so wait let, let, let me continue <laughs> try to wrap my mind around this whole thing so we're looking at an organization based in South Florida. Yes. That has staff based in Jamaica. Yes. That attend to organizations, institutions across the United States. Yes. Teaching them about how to maximize and well properly well optimize let's use that optimize Absolute. the insurance benefit that is allowed or are given or that someone walking into that institution seeking help has yes. so they have to be knowledgeable of one the policy and how it works that right. insurance policy they have to be knowledgeable of how these institutions work as it relates to treatment. Absolutely. How, how, how do you remember, begin to find people? To be knowledgeable about the whole Medicaid system because a big portion of our client base now are Medicaid recipients. Yeah, so it's a fast listen this industry right now is 90.5 billion dollars a year and that was the number from 99 it is estimated that in 2027 we will be around 140 140 billion dollar industry <sighs> don't need it it's so needed. What is this? So, um, <laughs> Nikki, 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 you're, 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 <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. How do you formulate, how do you even put on paper a plan? to start an organization that is going to provide these needs and services? How do you even recognize that such a need exists? You mentioned working in, 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 in the, the industry, but mm -hmm. there has to be something more. Kevin, I'm a, I'm, I'm a hands-up people per I like to see successes. I can't accept failures, right? Mm. And so one of my biggest, one of my best characteristics, I would say, would be process. If I can't, if something isn't right in my head, then I have to sit down and make it right. And so when I saw all the pitfalls, when I saw some of the people I really cared about, became friends with, owned mm. facilities, and they were just dropping by the wayside, I said, no, there's a problem here. There's a niche product here that somebody has to fill. The problem with it is the mental health industry has just been about people who open doors 
the clients whose policy in their pocket. Hmm. So here comes some people who have been through the whole role of treatment and addiction and back to treatment and back to treatment 10, 15 times, finally obtaining them sobriety. Part of the whole sobriety giving back, right? And so they open these doors to help other people. But they can't survive because the bureaucracy, the bureaucracy is too much for them to handle. So what we do is we come in and we say, here's a process. If you follow this process, you shall not have a problem. And so far, we've been very successful. Very successful. I, I dropped to my knees some days and I said, Lord, what was that? But yeah, we've been very successful. I'm telling you the honest truth. I, we've been so successful that I don't have a business development team. And I haven't needed one. And now I need to step out and start doing the business development and the um, networking. But we haven't had to do one. We haven't had to have a team because the niche product is so infectious that when you, you get one facility back on stable ground and you know you're making sure that the process they're using enables the client a higher success outcome, then they're going to tell other facilities. All right. So who who is it that, that, that you are most concerned about? Is it the client being the institution or is it the client being the patient of the institution? In what respect? To so remain viable? Definitely what? the facility. Because here's the thing. Mm. If a client comes into a treatment center, they're in there already, right? Okay. We bill maybe after the client's already been there. So within okay. the, the client here for three weeks before I get paid for that client are denied. Right? You said three weeks? Yeah, because we don't bill till two weeks after they've been there. Okay. Facility is now although you have an authorization for treatment, the facility is still there without a payment yet. The patient can be billed if we're denied because of the type of insurance they have. Mm. So you have to worry about the facility, particularly those that will say, I'm not going to kick him out because his insurance won't pay. I'll just treat him as a scholarship. Meaning that they keep that client in treatment for the entire time without pay. Mm. Those are the, the boys I have their backs. Those people mean, those people want to impact the 78 people that are dying every day. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. No, no I'm getting it. No, I'm getting it. But people who, if I don't have their backs, then there's no facility for those clients to go to. Right. Because, all right. So I, I'm saying, no, I get it because 
typically you think of a, a of a healthcare facility and you immediately say at me as a man looking for treatment i cannot mm -hmm. afford this even with my insurance i cannot afford this so okay. i don't try to go and 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 get this treatment because i cannot afford this okay what you're saying mm -hmm. is there are organizations out there and we need to change our mindsets about yeah. seeking treatment because the organization is yeah. not going to turn you away because of, of, of you not being able to afford it because what is more important than you affording this is you getting better. Yes. And where are those organizations? Where, where are they at? <laughs> are the ones when you step into a case manager's office or you step up to a treatment facility door and say, I am homeless. I don't have a penny to my name, but I need insurance. They will get you Medicaid faster than possible. And by the way, Medicaid has very good coverage for mental health. Mm. There are so many fallacies out there about the mental health industry and it bothers me to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Because other thing is, did you know that about 65% of the homeless that just is strolling in the park and on the street begging money, they have the best insurance on the planet. The best. You know why? They're not really they may be broke, but they're from families who the client won't take anything else from them, right? Mm -hmm. So what that family does in their in their last attempt at seeing if the client if, if that that patient will ever come off the road and get help, they maintain a good insurance. So anytime they're ready to come off the street and get help, they don't have any hitches. So those people you see on the street, mm -hmm. they're not necessarily, they may be desolate as far as financially watching them pockets, but their families tend, especially if they're in and out of treatment, mm -hmm. they maintain some of the best policies for those people. And even if they don't have insurance, I know six facilities right now that will take them. Six fly them to their and treat them. Six facilities where? Across Arizona. the United States? Yes. Arizona, Colorado, um, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida. People so, don't know that though. They don't know that. So, and... So 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 then how do people get this information because the struggle is an individual wants to get help and here we go again I'll say it again an individual wants to get help can't afford the help the immediate thought is I cannot go into this facility because I don't have it in my pocket and my insurance is not going to cover it I don't know where to go I cannot go anywhere 
and that leads to even more trauma because no in, in their head they're, they're compounding the issue because now they don't know where to go now they feel hope hopeless as well as helpless you know my i wanted to be that person that walked up and down the parks everywhere and just talk to these people and and see if listening at my whole mindset what if, if i could just save one a day because a lot of the you know the sad part these people you see that a lot of people just like a derrick suppose you have to read the stories on the backgrounds kevin mm-hmm it breaks you as an individual. It broke me many times. And and then you say to yourself, why is our government knowing that these homeless people are out there? If they're even making an effort, right? These Because those are the ones that really, you, you realize that that's a, a symptom of um, addiction, right? wanting to be in the open air okay many of them could find shelter many of them could have homes they can go back to mm-hmm. but it should because after you do the addiction you want this freedom it's just a freeing thing about it that's the way it's explained and yeah, so i've, I've heard that before people, yeah a lot of these people they they have resources they have insurance plans Better mm-hmm. than you and me who work in three hundred thousand dollars a year. Enough of them come from the richest of the rich. Okay, I'm not one of those that 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 work that kind <laughs> of money. <laughs> That's definitely not me. <laughs> no man, not yet, not yet. Ah, uh, uh, speak it into being. I'll take it. There you go. But um, yeah, Kevin, it did the re- the revenue cycle management. I know you see why we call it revenue cycle management. Yes, because it, it can be weird. You're running a facility and everything is just squeaky clean and everything is lucrative, and you suck up all the information and get all the education you can, and you create programs that attract family members of addicted people, and they flock you. To the point where you have a waiting list and then you have some capital is limited um so they have to have minimal staff minimal staff means less than adequate documentation mm. less adequate documentation means more speculation from the health plans more speculation from cms which is medicaid and medicare coverage right so we fight for the facility to be able and i want to use the word we fight for the facility to be able to facilitate recovery in such a total concept that that client knows they can be in treatment and not have to think about the financial ramifications And it's a big fight for me. It, but it, it sounds I, like a big fight because the the, the mindset alone is mm-hmm. is where a, a, a big part of the setback is. 
So the narrative needs to be changed. Yeah. And Absolutely. I don't hear a whole lot of, of, of people, places putting out the literature, putting out the, the discussion, having the discussion, um, being a part of any kind of movement to mm-hmm. say, all right, we have resources. You don't have to feel helpless, hopeless, or clueless. Right. We are here. We are here for you. Let us help you to get back on track to being the best version of you. But remember, you know, you have the pull of health plan versus government, right? Health plan versus government, health plan versus government. Because even though they're sort of intertwined, think Mm. about something. You're an addict. You live on the street. Yes. You don't have health. You don't have any insurance. Mm-hmm. So you reach out to, you reach out to, let's say you reach out to a, a, a facility and then say, all right, we'll do you as a scholarship until we get you insurance. Right? Mm-hmm. You're a known ad. All the diseases are what the symptoms you have, the, the, the life threatening situations happening. Mm hmm. So we bring you in as a scholarship and at the first of the following month, get you on med. But by then, you start showing progress. Mm-hmm. So what Medicaid try to do then? Medicaid tries to say, oh, well, he's doing well now. He doesn't need that level of care. So when Medicaid says that, we say, oh, Jesus, we cannot step him down to a lower level of care. He's going to relapse. Right. And then Medicaid comes back and says, well, that's where he needs to be. So we put you in a lower, less evasive level of care because the insurance company will only cover that, right? We're just giving you an example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In a week, you relapse. And so we have to put you back to the higher level. And they give you another two weeks and say, okay, stepping you back down to that other level. And you relapse again. You're going to get discouraged and walk out, right? You're going to get discouraged and walk out. So there's a, there's, a, there's a thing between the government who runs Medicaid and the health plan that governs that Medicaid plan that says this. Even though the government talks about wanting to really fix the problem, yes, they're still putting limitations on the kind of treatment that an addict can have. So let me ask you this. I don't know if you have the answer to it. And if, if anybody listening in has any remotely close answer to this question, I'd, I'd love to have it. 773-789-STU, use up the number. And, and and help me to get some insight into this. To what benefit is it that this person that needs this care does not get it? How does the government benefit from that? Because now they're missing out on someone who is is is, is potentially 
earning them tax dollars, earning the government tax dollars. Yeah, but remember, they're also paying a subsidy for that client. But they're getting it back have... on the back end when they're when they're healthy. Remember a lot of those plans are, I don't know if you know about capitation, right? But capitation is simply where a Medicaid client gets picked up by a company, let's say UHC or Humana, right? Mm -hmm. And Medicaid says, instead of us administering care to this client, we're going to pay you just a number I'm throwing out there. Mm -hmm. I pay you $5,000 and no more for that client for the year, right? Mm -hmm. So what that company does is being greedy. They say, okay, we'll do that. Because what that company does then is when that client is nearing the capitation rate of $5,000 or whatever, all you get for them after that is denials. Because the money has run out. So when them even actually, if the capitation is 5000 by the time they reach about 3000 in costs, they mm. start denying the client, finding any little reason to deny the client. What my company does is, we say, hell no. This client needs treatment for such and such and such and such, according to section A, subset B, da, 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 da. And according to, uh, we, we scream all the regulations, all the Medicaid, all of Medicare regulations, all of Medicare programs, everything. And we send it to what's called an independent review board so that that client can have a real attempt at being sober. So no... The people that are, are, are members of your organization, the employees, they're going to have to know these policies also. Yes. So, all right. To know what is going on as it relates to these policies and, 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 and the government changes their policies as you blink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... How do you find time to work on making sure that an individual's insurance policy is optimized and so that the, the, the person with the insurance gets the best care and the organization providing the care gives the best care and remains viable? How do you find time to, to regulate policy, to, to, to keep up on policy and manage to, to, to gain that kind of skill set that makes that happen. I'm, I'm, I don't think Kevin, there are that many hours not, in a day. It's not easy, and there are days you just want to walk away. But um, I don't know how we do it. To be very honest, I know one of the things we are, we are meticulous about organization and dissemination of information. So I'll give you an example. In the state of New Mexico right now, the state attorney's general, mm -hmm. the attorney general, reminded that all substance abuse facilities who normally would not take Medicaid are now able to accept those Medicaid clients 
and their reimbursements would be equivalent to what they get for a commercial plan. Because the opioid epidemic in New Mexico has literally doubled in the past year. So when something like that happens, we rely, and, and I, I'm actually, um, I do my regular certifications with Medicare. So I get a lot of information from them on an ongoing basis. It just means that I have to maintain, keep reading, keep staying up with the releases, keep staying up with the changes. Right. Sometimes, you, but this was one where we have a facility in New Mexico that was having a diff difficult time getting paid by Medicaid. And that one change in the mandate is now making him get paid, making him be able to take clients who otherwise, like you say, would feel like there's nowhere for them to go because them nana money. Right? Right. But mandates like that, when you get that, we meet as a team virtually and we talk. Or... We have a constant chat going about policies and about who is doing what. And the facility helps tremendously. If they're a really good facility, the mm -hmm. minute they see information that's pertinent to their state, they'll pass it on to us. So it's 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 like a give and take. It's like a, a marriage, a relationship in making sure that revenue loss is minimized because in a situation like that that was a good thing that allowed them to maximize some of the services they could render but it's a lot it's, it's a whole oh, no wonder thing right kevin I, I i don't know how you can get to sing <laughs> what know. you do it just do. As I said, I'm here sometimes seven days a week, and I, I have friends sometimes who said to me, "What you gonna work for the rest of your life?" Yeah, if that's what it takes. Because what I do, I enjoy because I'm making the impact. My team and I are making an impact, not just on the actual, but also giving viable and and a in profit to institutions that otherwise would have just fallen into the hands of some company that was just as greedy as the rest that are out there. Yeah. You know, you do what you do, and that's why I say passion is a driver. And I tell my team this all the time. I say, you know what? If at the end of the day you can look back and say you impacted one life, mm -hmm how small it was an impact nonetheless and if you repeat it each time you sit at your desk then you did a great job did a great job it crazy industry but you know because you out here doing the trenches <laughs> i'm sure well you yeah know? i and and and, and sometimes in in my other life, <laughs> my nine to five life, when when I'm looking at what some people are going through, 
I, I can't wrap my mind around it either. Yeah. But this 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 leans on something that that I'm I'm passionate about um, mental health. This broadcast has has brought information as it relates to certain things more than others. Mental health, human trafficking, wrongful incarceration, overall yeah. health, and so and psychological development stand to be the the, the top five things. Yes. That I that I address. And you tonight are speaking on all those things at once. Yeah. Not to mention yeah. the financial aspect of, 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 of living. Yes. And like Joanna says in the in the in the stew pot here, um it's interesting. Yes, it is it is very interesting and so much so that there are more questions. There is the, the, the how do you prevent the pitfalls? You know, how do you prevent the, the, the client that is as client as the entity providing service mm-hmm. from not going to the dark side and it being a money only kind of a thing or a money hungry kind of a thing how do you prevent the client the one seeking the help from well i guess that that depends on the client giving the service from regressing to going back to just feeding into their addiction i guess that's 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 not your role your role is 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 to make sure that the service can be provided to them I was just going to say to you, you know, this is where I might confuse you. But in this industry, if you don't have one thing, you're going to really sink and sink hard. What's and that, that one, thing? one thing is called ethic. So as much as we fight to keep our facilities viable, strong, robust, also intolerant, of anything that seems fishy, fraudulent, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Because, yeah, I've had a couple of, when I was an employee, we did have a a facility there that was, I'm trying to remember the term that was used at, at the time, right here in Sunrise. We had a facility who was actually going on the road, bringing in the girls, running the insurance, treating them, at night, it was alleged that prostitution ring was happening. Then they'd send them back out on the road in the morning to get high again. In other words, they were paying them allegedly, allegedly, with the money he was earning from health plan. So what we do now is how we control that, Kevin, we have, we call our utilization uh, managers, case managers, for the, for the sake of our of CMBS Solutions Group. Mm-hmm. Each case manager is assigned a facility. They are required to follow on all the reviews for that one client or that 10 clients or 20 or 50 clients in that one facility. 
because they are clinically equipped, they can tell. Well, if the client, if the client um relapsed, what did they relapse on? When did they relapse? How much of it? Where did it happen? Why did it happen? And so it's not something that we take lightly. So at that point, when we are doing our, <laughs> when we are doing our police work, mm. we are making sure that in the same way we're fighting for you, we're not going to let the health plan down because everything comes down to relationship. Even though we have a great relationship with our facilities and we're there to make them viable and robust, mm -hmm. we are also accountable to the health plan that keeps them viable and robust. My mm -hmm. team knows don't, we don't go near the ethic word. Hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Tell me this: how 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 exactly do you build your team? What kind of qualifications do you need? Because th this sounds like you need to be able to be able to build and launch a rocket. No, you know. I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I tell you, the learning curve for my company is about, for that position is about a year, maybe a little more. But within a year, you should have some, pretty much some knowledge of what you need to do procedurally. Experience going to be the greatest teacher, though. Yeah, experience is going to be the greatest teacher, but... Like I say, everything, everything in this, everything is about how you apply yourself. And I believe the passion that you have for what you're doing. And if you have enough passion, then everything about it is gonna um, interest you. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna instigate you wanting to learn more and do more, and advocate more. Because what I consider that I do is just advocating for the voiceless. They don't have a voice. Because like you just said, they reach on that side, oh, don't have enough money. They reach on that side, don't have enough information. Whatever it is, it's always that there's, they don't have something to get the treatment that they, they should have, you know? And again, some of them are... You ever, I don't know if you've ever heard of a facility helper, but it's a yeah. person who uses the mental health industry in order to get their drugs. Yeah. I'm admitting facility A today, and later on in the evening, I'm admitting to facility B. And while they're there, they're getting the drugs. They, well, they, they um, like the Suboxone and those kind of things. So it makes it harder for the person who is trying to right, who's trying to do the right thing to obtain sobriety. You know. So, but it's it. Go ahead. You 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 also have to know drugs. <laughs> so yeah, you have to know insurance. You have to know. 
uh, building and coding. Yeah, but you know what to do. Procedures, intake, yeah. and discharge. Yeah, the drugs that aren't behavioral health related. Because some of those same drugs that they're on, the lithium, you have to know that if a client on lithium, then they, they need to be tested every such and such time period. It, it, it's a whole... I wish one of my teammates was on with me tonight. Um, so they could kind of express how involved it gets at times. My so why, you, you know, it's a lot of involved information, but at the end of the day, you literally can't sit back and say, well, sometimes you get authorization for a client and you're like, oh my God, I didn't expect that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So our big thing is to make a, 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 a facility just be able to do the clinical part of their job without worrying about the financial part of the, the, um, the financial factors in remaining viable. Um, <laughs> Tanisha. Uh, oh, Tanisha like is on. Tanisha is on um, Clubhouse and, and is saying, yes, we're that awesome. Tanisha, I, 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 I need to hear you tell me exactly how how awesome you are i i need to get another perstective on this seven seven three seven eight nine stu use up the phone line please yeah seven seven three seven eight nine seven eight three nine tanisha is my left hand right hand left head right head left foot right foot knows everything she's like a clone of me and it's a beautiful thing so Tanisha, please call in if you can. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I'm just seeing this message, and um, I I, boy Nikki, this is this is more than I had bargained for to be honest. See, this... when you say me, you need to buy me a drink. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't probably need a drink because there's so much. There's so many moving parts to this. Mm -hmm. There is. And and that's the part that is mind-boggling. Yeah. And and you've been doing this since 2019. Now, people might not say it's a long time to be doing this, but the mere fact that you can do it for more than a year in and of itself makes it a long time because it's a lot of work. I feel bad to add to that too, you know, but there's also a part like today I got a um a thirty-two page document from one of the health plans that now wants to just do a random audit mm-hmm. the clients that have been in one particular facility. So what I have to do now is go through, pull the records, all the entire medical and then go through line by line to make sure that everything matches up to what the health plan expects. And that's one of the clinicians hasn't put in something that will throw the case off. And then they'll come back and recoup what they've did. So that's 31 clients. But in 2019, when I first started, I had 98 clients that I had to do an audit for same structure. Each file was about 125 pages. 
Because remember, they want every office visit, every drug test, every psychoeducational group, individual every assessment, and these happen multiple times over treatment. So you literally have to go in and ensure that what should be there is there and nothing anything that shouldn't be there needs to be amended i'm putting in for vacation right now just listening to this and i don't work for you (laughs) i i need a break that's a lot it is a lot it is a lot um but you know what, Kevin? You really made me just realize how much we do. Because you see, when you're doing it, and you're just doing it going from one to the other, back to the other, back, you don't really think about how much we do. But now that you're talking about it, yeah. and you're, you're, we're really like breaking down all that we do, it really is a lot. It really is. Right. And... Uh, I I am I'm emphasizing that it is a lot because those that are listening on that don't need the the use of any such facility right now right need to be aware that this is just right now yes yeah yes. things are good in your life things are good in in in, in with with your family members for now Stress and trauma can change that in the drop of a hat. Yeah. And we deal with trauma every minute of every day. Mm -hmm. You just never know which one it is that is that is going to break you. (laughs) So now you end up broken and don't know where to turn. Why? Because this is not something that you have had to have dealt with in the past. And so people kind of glaze it over a lot. Just like in Jamaica, you see a mad man on the road. Where you don't normally say when you're a little boy. Mm. Look on a mad man there, yeah. you know? They, you do something like stone them or something. Yeah. I, I, I see it now and I'm so saddened. Because, I mean, I, after I joined this Kevin, you know what I actually did? I went to Jamaica, visited a friend, and there was a mad woman walking on the road. That's what they call her, right? A vagrant. Okay, vagrant, yes. She had mental issues, mm-hmm. but I actually sat with her, and she sat, bought her a little drink, and we sat down and bun and cheese my bear and stuff, and we sat down on the roadside talking. And if I am to tell you that I got more information that was useful from her than if I had sat and spoken to somebody who society calls within normal limits. Mm. She was very interesting. She was even telling me about her life. What happened to her in life? And the trauma of it got too much, she shut down. Mm. I look at that and I think, oh man, this person, there's a possibility that this person can really be helped. 
but you know we've thrown those people to the side saying ah these people so unfortunate and uh, here it is again is it that they don't know where to get the help they don't know what resources are available they don't think they can afford it you know if if if, if, if we're not putting word out there this was in jamaica so you know the resources are so yeah we, yeah resources again information is as powerful as you make it so yes if you're if you're putting it out there on all platforms if it's uh, social media has become the most powerful tool in getting information out there yes so if the information is on social media then it will get somewhere it will reach to at least one person and that one yes. person will actually act on it so basically at least one Absolutely. person out of the, 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 the hundreds of thousands that it is reaching will act on it and get results exactly and they will tell someone else and Absolutely. they will get results yeah yeah and this is where this is where recognizing that if you reach one you've done your job and you said yeah. it earlier yeah i truly believe in that by the way because i say it all the time if you if you advertise if you tell person about your show and that person actually finds something they can take from it. Mm-hmm. Even them telling, not one person tomorrow, but multiple people. Yeah, it's just human nature. Yes, just human nature. Most of the population in our facilities are referral based. Mm-hmm. So that speaks to what I'm saying to you. Right. Most of the population in the facilities most of their their marketing is in place and they do get referrals from other organizations mm-hmm. but a lot a very high percentage of their clientele is because of a previous client in fact we use that when the health plan says no we have to deny because that facility isn't covered by their policy we use that and say, no, no, no. This addicted person wants to be in this facility because mm. their friend, their brother, their cousin went to this same facility and is now sober. Right. Who went with an addicted person with that? Not many people. Because they have found the one place that they feel comfortable for treatment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's so many different. It's a magical industry. What can I say? It, very okay. much so. It it is it is magical. I I remember when I went and um I went to therapy for the first time, mm-hmm. and my therapist was referred to me by a friend. And. He didn't really take my insurance, mm-hmm. but he took it. Right. And whereas I wasn't one who was at the stage where um, 
I I I was diagnosable as having a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. But I went to find out more about me. There you go. And if more of us take the time out to find out a little bit of something about self, get to know self, we actually end up in a little bit better of a position. And yes. so we, having had that experience, having had that help, yes, you can refer someone else. But to find the one that will work with you, to find the one that will understand that, hey, yes, you have an insurance policy, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to suck the living life out of your eye. Exactly. That exactly. is 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 something else. Exactly. I think it, it really comes down to ethic, accountability. Yes. Them yes. Things in the industry because it was lacking for so long and a lot of people made a lot of money very unethically, you know. So now there are so many things in place to prevent that from But it still happens. Know? So it's it's weird. It still happens, though. Things are in place to prevent it, but it still happens. We have a big thing going on in Arizona right now with the indigenous people. Mm -hmm. They have amazing Medicaid insurance. So what was happening was apparently there was a group of people that would actually drive around the whole city, pick them up, carry them to treatment, and them family never known them was in it. So, so the facility big, can get the, the, the money through the insurance. Big, big thing come down to how many facilities, 110 facilities were either suspended or termed from the Medicaid program and are now under, they're, they're, they're being charged with fraud, waste and abuse through Medicare. On Medicaid. So it's not worth it. It's not worth it when you can get around it in another way. But what happened is you have some people who just want to shortcut it. Right. You know? Um one thing I was curious about, and I should have asked you at the beginning of the broadcast. What does CMBS stand for? Oh, I knew you that. <laughs> when I became business owner, I said to myself I was going to make a, um, a keyword that whenever I felt like giving up, if I ever did, I would actually... Um, you know, go to that keyword and remember why I went into business for myself in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it was only fitting that it stands for Christina, Malachi, Brooklyn, and Savannah, which are my children and grandchildren. So every single day I can look at those letters and say to myself, I'm not just sitting here because of me. But mm. I'm working towards leaving my legacy and blessing some, but blessings can fall on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 
you know, it, it it makes sense. It works. It works. Yeah. Yeah. Because when 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 you have a little bit of motivation behind what you do, you know, yeah. people people will will put um affirmations all over their homes so it can help them to get through the front door and it helps them as they get in right this is your little bit of affirmation yes because I don't. there's no way you're going to do this business and not think of your children and grandchildren yeah and so, it, it, even the days when you feel like giving up, it's a reminder, hey, no, 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 no. Oh, exactly. It's not exactly. just the ones out that you don't know. <laughs> exactly. It's these four here that you know very well. Yes, yes. And they keep me accountable. Trust me. Oh, my gosh. Even yeah. the little three-year-old but will you come see, and say, oh, I have to work. Yeah. <laughs> but they're a representation of those to which you're providing service. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So Absolutely. If you can't do it for them, the ones that you don't know, how are you going to do it for these that you do? Here you go. And, and, and I wish sometimes people would look at life that way to, you know, Kev, because, you know, my son, and I'll put him out there, he won't mind. Mm-hmm. In high school, last couple of years of high school and into college, he did the whole testing of the smoking marijuana and the drinking. And, you know, I, I was on top of him, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't like as bad as most other parents would be. It's because one thing I said to him, I said, look, I raised you with a foundation of knowing what's good and bad for you. So right now, if you think that's what's good for you, do your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because I took that stance, my son just up one day and said, ah, that's it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. What? What do you mean you're done? Yeah. I don't need it no more. Graduated from college and, you know, he went off to um, live in Utah and I said to him, you still drink? He goes, mom, it's not my thing. Mm. So I have other friends who will come to me and say, can you believe the boy smoking weed and the boy this? And I have to turn to them and say, can I give you some reassurance? Your foundation was so strong that if it's determined, if when he gets to the consenting age and determines that it's not good for him or it's not going to propel him, you won't even have to worry about him stopping because you've already Mm. laid that precedence. Yes. You've already laid it. It is. And and that's the next thing I want to tell you. A lot of people worry about marijuana drug anything used in excess is a problem but i like everybody to know don't come to us with your child who's on marijuana 
because the health plant will not approve him for addiction treatment. Mm. They won't. So what what do they come with to get how do they get that help then? They can go to therapy, regular outpatient therapy, mm-hmm. but they'll never be put in like an intensive outpatient or or anything like that unless it has co-occurring conditions like anxiety and depression. Which, if you're smoking weed right now, a lot of the facilities are using weed to combat combat anxiety and depression. Right. So it's a very It's a very shaky ground now for marijuana users, if that's the only drug you're using. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But look at how ironic it is. Marijuana is still illegal, right? <laughs> that's a whole nother broadcast. All right. One that I've touched on once before, a long time ago, and I probably need to revisit it now. But but show you something real. Mm-hmm. The one drug that is the gateway to all the other drugs is not treatable by the health plans, right? And the one substance that you can get legally, freely, is the one that will... And people don't realize that alcohol is the worst substance for which you can be addicted and not because of its long-term effects but because of the withdrawal if you don't get enough of it in your system after it's been chemically altered it is Mm. the only drug during the withdrawal that will kill you yet it's the legal one Opiates, you have, you know, um, the box one you can take, which is the synthetic opioids that they give you during withdrawal, right? So mm-hmm. basically, you still think it getting opioids, heroin. And then they just taper you down until your body requires it less and less and less. There's nothing for alcohol. So if you go into a withdrawal state and you're an alcoholic, you will have life-threatening symptoms. But it's legal. (laughs) The irony. Nikki. The the industry is messed up, but you know what? (laughs) I see strides being made, and and I I kind of pray that we, we keep making those strides over the years. Okay, so there 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 is progress. Since you since you've gotten into this industry and gotten to where you have started your own business in the industry, you have seen yeah. progress. I see it in um you have less people now trying to take chances, scamming the government and mm-hmm. doing government to these clients that really don't have they they want the drugs more than anything, so they would do anything for it and then you have people giving it to them free willy. Especially in Florida and California. But I see picking keep getting better. I've seen accountability measures in place for a lot of these facilities now. Mm. Okay. How can people get in touch 
with, well, do you work with the, you work more with the, the, the facility than you do the individual on the street, correct? Yes. So it, it behooves an individual wanting to get care to go into a facility to, yes. to, to use what kind of language to find out if they're the right facility or the right kind of facility? Any facility. So you just walk in off the street and, and just say, I need help? They'll give you the number. What you call it? Is it 211? I know, eight eight is for mental health issues you know you're having a psychotic breakdown and stuff that's that's the number that um nami would talk about and but there's a there's a hotline um i have it on the suicide my hotline, hotline is 211 isn't it if you call that number i think it's the 211 if you call that number they will refer you to the closest place that will accommodate you immediately um okay. If you find, remember to, in our industry right now, police, any other public agencies, give out Narcan. Mm -hmm. So if you're an addict, and we know you're an addict, we will equip you with Narcan so that you can keep it on your person so that if you overdose you can quickly or somebody can quickly give you that narcan to save your life so it's just like how them give out free robbers mm -hmm. narcan given to the homeless to anybody who wants it so mm. those type of if you need listen anybody out here listening has a family member that needs help they can call my cell phone i will answer and i will guide them in the best way i know possible go ahead put your number out there 954 let me give you 3322 am i giving it right i'm sorry 954 33 mm -hmm. Zero zero two zero four. So, like a digit was missing nine five four three zero 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 two zero four. Wait, it still sounds like we're missing a digit. Okay, area code is nine five four. Okay, we get that part three three zero. Zero again. Mm -hmm. Two zero four. Nine five four three three zero zero two four four. No, <laughs> it's not like too much. No. <laughs> okay, so um, I think I think um, Tanisha put it. I, I think that's Tanisha in as a as a um. Yes incognito person in the in the stew pot 
I didn't say it earlier, but the stew pot is available. You can chit chat in there. It's what others call a chat room because we're fancy on the Kevin Stew and KevinStew.com. It's a stew pot. It's where we keep things interactive and bubbling. And Tanisha found herself adding some spice to the stew pot. And she puts a number out there, 954-330-0204. So, there you go. thank goodness <laughs> for <laughs> good associates. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what She's you would do without her. Yes, absolutely. Tanisha, next time I'm talking with you, Forget Nick. There you <laughs> You're right. I put everything on her anyway, Kev. <laughs> and she don't complain, so you know. <laughs> but, uh, Nikki, I, I, I thank you um for taking okay. the time out to share your your dream, your passion, your organization with us, the general community. And we, we, we pray your continued success in providing this key service that, mm-hmm. pa- that ends up being passed on to people like me, the average Joe, that yeah. would be in need of this kind of service when they walk into a facility to make sure that they can get the best possible treatment that there is. Yes. CMBS doesn't CMBS Solutions Group doesn't provide that service per se, but they make sure that entities that do provide the service can provide the service. Exactly. Exactly. So I thank you for I thank heeding the call. Because you had to be called. You had to you had to recognize that you're called to do something different and to take up the mantle to go ahead and do it. And then to find people of like minds yes people like Tanisha who we've been putting on the spot all night and who has decided to remain silent in the winds <laughs> you know just <laughs> hiding there in the background <laughs> giving us key information like the number that people need to call like 9543300240 um did i say it right no 0204 um right. to get information if you don't know where to call, who else to call, anybody, if they feel like they're going to be judged, call Nikki, 954-330-0204. And worst case scenario, she'll sing to you. And that there is not go. a bad situation at all. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> She's classically trained, so you can't go wrong with that. Listen, man, it has been such a pleasure. It's always so refreshing talking to you. It makes me become even more socially aware, if that's even possible, right? (laughs) But it's always amazing to talk to you. And listen, I know I'm busy. Mm. But if you have projects in this scope that you need any assistance on or anything coming up that we can actually be partner together just to get even if like you said even if we impact one person right yeah yeah let me know yeah. let me know yeah i am i as well as my team always willing mm-hmm. well um oh. to all the platforms that are out there carrying this broadcast right now one harmony radio over there in the uk nie radio in new jersey mix 102 dot com in new jersey earth 96 fm in jamaica 
the Foundation Reading Network, ClintonLindsay.com here in South Florida, um, Island Worldwide in New York. They all have people listening in. They all have people hearing what it is that you had to say and now are that much more informed because you help organizations across the United States. Yes. To give the best possible service to those in need. Absolutely. And that's a big deal. So, ladies and gentlemen, you just became introduced. You just were introduced to Nicole Hall. You just became friends with her. Use up her number. You all have it. 954-330-0204. And it is CMBS Solutions Group. That's her organization. I believe our Kanda is a soul group. Um, Tanisha can correct it in the text for me if, if she don't mind. And and we also show a lot of interesting resources from Samsha and some of the big behavioral health um, networks and just motivational stuff and just tidbits how to deal with a family member that's going through depression or addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, Good resources there as well that if you need to, you know, find anything you can. Oh, Again, so. thank you so much, audience members, for hearing me tonight. I appreciate it. Tanisha, mm-hmm. um, it's again, CMBS Solutions Group. Uh, look for them on Facebook. Um, you'll be able to find them. And resources are available. So right about now, I'm just going to go off into a, a, a super abbreviated musical therapy. It might be just one track that you're getting from me tonight. And it is one track from this same woman that is right here with me tonight wearing a different hat. <laughs> because some of you might, might have been waiting for this. And just to let you know, at last it is here. the website for cmbs is cmbssolutionsgroup.com by the way so you everybody can go check out the website if you go to kevinstew.com right now and you jump into the stew pot you'll see a link right there just click on it it takes you straight there all right Uh, cool thank you tanisha truly appreciate of the the input and the support right about now musical therapy Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, the voice of Nikki Fire wearing a different hat. Her very first single as Nikki Fire. So, Nikki, just to let you know, someone in the chat in the stew pod said, Ras and I dare Nikki. <laughs> I don't know. That's My piece. Yeah, your piece well representing. Um, yes. I want to I wanna thank you all for tuning in once again as we part company. Just do remember to look out for members of your community. Your community is not just the development that you live in, but it spreads far and wide. So those that you pass on the bus, the plane, the boat, the train, whether you walk, ride, or drive, these are members of your community. Do something good for one of them today because you never know who's going to do something good for you tomorrow. My name is Kevin Stewart, so I like to do it to you, for you, and with you every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here, kevinstew.com and affiliates. Y'all take care of yourselves, be good, 
and listen good morning good afternoon good day to you wherever you are in the world take care if you can't be good be good at it nikki fire nicole hall thank you thank you both (laughs) take care Greetings and salutations, one and all. You are invited to tune in to the Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew. It airs on Mondays with Community and Finance, Tuesdays with Healthy Love, and Wednesdays with Real Talk from 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time. Come spend some time interacting in the stew pot where we keep things bubbling and wind down in musical therapy. The Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew is on kevinstew.com where you're encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment.